More to Life is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popcheck, And I'm Lisa Popcheck, And you're listening to the best of More to Life. Today on More to Life, what if? Are you always worried? Does your mind go from zero to catastrophe in 60 seconds or less? Let us help you reclaim your call. 877-573-7825. Everyone says they want to have a great marriage and family and personal life. Well, the theology of the body reveals how you can actually achieve it. More to life. The happiest couples know how to say I do to each other every moment of every day. Surprising. Relevant. Hopeful. Angela, let's not just settle for stopping your son's behavior. Exactly. Let's talk about the kind of young man you want to raise. Practical. Theology of the body-based answers for every part of your life. God's original blueprint didn't include depression and anxiety. Yeah, that's a human invention. God wants to set you free. Let's talk about making that happen. The life you were meant to live through the theology of the body. More to life. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. And today on More to Life, our show is titled, What If? What if is something that goes through our heads all the time? What if that happens? What if this bad thing turns out? What if this doesn't turn out the way I hoped? It's called catastrophizing. Uh, And it's one of the lies that the enemy whispers in our spiritual ear that causes us to take situations that aren't bad at all and make them bad and take situations that are bad and make them catastrophic. The fact is we all give in to the tendency to catastrophize from time to time, but for some of us, it becomes a habit or even a way of life. Do you struggle with fear, worry, or anxiety? Do you tend to catastrophize and go from zero to catastrophe in 60 seconds or less? Maybe it's because there are particular challenges in your life or relationships that are stealing your peace and causing your stress. Or maybe it's just anxiety in general. For that matter, you might have someone in your life that you care about who gets carried away with anxiety and goes from zero to catastrophe in 60 seconds or less, and you're not sure how to support them. Let us help. The number to call is 877-573-7825. Again, that number, 877-573-7825. Well, I think this is one of those areas where psychology and our faith just meet on the same plane to call out what's not healthy and good for us. So in psychology... This kind of thing, along with, excuse me, a lot of different other things we do in our head. It's called a cognitive distortion. I love that. I love the fact that it's called a a distortion because as a Catholic, I know that anything that is a distortion comes from the evil one. He wants to take everything that's good and true and beautiful, because that comes from God, and distort it twist it, make it ugly for us. And so just in the psychological label of this, we know that it's not good and right and healthy for us to have these distortions of catastrophizing or globalizing or whatever it is that goes through our head, steals our peace, 
steals our ability to be proactive, takes away our joy. It's not good for us. It's not good for those we love. But I'm not preaching here and telling you guys that you're all wrong because I'm telling you, full disclosure, this is the camp I lived in most of my life. Catastrophizing was the language of my family of origin. It was the only language we spoke 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's required active work on my spiritual life, on my relationship with God, on how I think, of how I have to work my way back from this. And and when something negative happens in our lives, I have to fight like the Dickens to keep myself from camping out in that place again. So I'm with you. If you, if you or somebody you care about is going through anxiety, going through worry, going through fear, I've been there. I fight going there all the time. And we've got a lot of really good new skills for you to learn. A lot of grace to help you get in touch with here. We're here for you today on More to Life. So if you're trying to help somebody in your life who's dealing with anxiety or worry or fear, or you're going through it yourself, give us a call. Let's work this out for you together. 877-573-7825. That's 877-573-7825. And again, we're, we're talking about fear, worry, or anxiety in our show titled, What If? As we discuss that tendency for our minds to go to those what ifs. What if this bad thing happens? What if this doesn't turn out the way I hoped? What if this unpleasant thing occurs? You know, and we go from zero to catastrophe in 60 seconds or less. That is the source of a lot of our anxiety. The good news is there are ways to get on top of it. We're going to be sharing insights largely drawn from my book, Unworried, A Life Without Anxiety. But you don't have to even wait for the book. You can just call in now at 877-573-7825 and let's talk it out. The one thing I want to say right up front, though, um, is that there is this sort of idea among Christians that if we when, we, when we talk about anxiety, the reaction we get is, you know, if we're not blissed out all the time, some t- somehow that means we're bad Christians. Yeah, that, that, not, that message right, is out there all the time. That we're supposed to be at total and complete peace at all times. We're supposed to be completely blissed out. That trusting in the Lord means that we can never have a worry about anything. And if we're not, then we better hide it and put on a mask of that and use all the right holy peaceful words so that nobody will know, even though we might be really anxiety-ridden inside ourselves. One of the first points I actually make in the book, Unworried, A Life Without Anxiety, because, you know, when people hear the title, they think, well, that that sounds like a come on, because how can you live a life without anxiety? Uh, One of the first points I make is that there's actually a difference between worry and anxiety, um, because the reality is stressful things are stressful, right? (laughs) Bad things are bad. Um, We live in a fallen world and stuff happens. Frustrating, you know, Um, it's okay to have feelings about whatever it is that you're going through. But, But the difference between, say, a concern... Right and anxiety. Uh, I misspoke. I said there was a, it was a distinction between worry and anxiety. I meant concern and anxiety. The difference between a concern and anxiety is that you have a concern, you recognize there's a problem. Right? You're able to, you're able to say, "Oh, problem," but then you step back from it. You're able to bring that problem to God. You're able to prayerfully reflect on how God wants you to respond to that problem. 
you're able to connect with God's grace to deal with the problem. You're able to identify the resources and the support God is giving you to handle the problem. You're able to make a plan to address the problem. So you're aware of the problem, and maybe you're frustrated by the problem, or you're a little worried about it, or you're, you know, whatever, you're concerned at least. But that's different from anxiety. Anxiety is when you say, problem, 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 problem. You see the difference? You know, it's fine to be frustrated or stressed or concerned about things that are concerning. That's just normal and healthy, in fact. But when, but, but that process, if it's healthy, should allow you to bring that concern to God and help him walk you through the steps of breaking it down and addressing it step by step with his grace, with the support of the people he's placed in your life and the resources he's given you to deal with it. Anxiety comes in where we don't do any of those things, where the enemy separates us from God's grace, from the support of others, from our best selves and the resources God has given us and causes us to only focus on the problem. So let's help, let's deal with that today. If you are struggling with that kind of stress, worry, or anxiety that is separating you from those resources to be able to address your concerns in a graceful, effective way, Let's talk it out. 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877-573-7825. Every day on More to Life, we take a look at the topic of the day through the lens of the theology of the body. And of course, TOB has actually a lot to share on this idea. It really does today, especially it reminds us that anxiety is not God's will for us, as I was saying earlier. Before the fall, even though Adam and Eve were completely vulnerable, right? They're naked in a garden. That's pretty vulnerable. (laughs) They were confident, though, in God's care and their love for one another. It was only after the fall, when they were separated from God and each other, and actually themselves, did they feel exposed, ashamed, and yes, very, very anxious, confronted by the bigness of the world and their own sense of smallness and insufficiency when separated from God, they hid, cowering behind the bushes. How often do we feel like we're doing that in our own heads? Well, the theology of the body reminds us that while worry and anxiety are common enough experiences in the modern world, the answer to those worries is what I was suggesting before, to recenter ourselves in the loving arms of Abba, our Heavenly Father, who loves us who cares for us, who shelters us from those storms of life, especially when we feel alone or scared or helpless. You know, that's why Pope St. John Paul the Great um, was constantly reminding us, be not afraid. Yes, the stuff in front of us is always challenging. But God's love and providence is greater still. In the face of life's battles, we need to let our battle cry, be Jesus, I trust in you. Which again does not mean that we're never concerned about anything or that we are just totally blissed out all the time. It means that we recognize the concerns in front of us, but then we bring them to God and say, okay, Lord, teach me what to do. I trust that you will teach me what to do and that with your grace and your counsel, I will be able to walk through this with you. And that's the difference between a concern and anxiety. Let us help you address 
those concerns that are causing you anxiety and help you find the peace that you need to move forward gracefully. And help those who you care about who might be going through this. Right now, you probably have a lot of family and friends who are going through this. I see a big rise in anxiety in our kids as they start to look at going back to school and they haven't seen a normal school year in quite a while and they're not quite sure how to handle it. There's all sorts of what they call triggers on our anxiety right now for ourselves and for those we care about. We're here to help you on More to Life. 877-573-7825. That's 877-573-7825. Stay your concerns to the Lord and we'll start taking your calls in the name of the the Father Father, and the the Son and the the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we come into your presence and we bring to you all the things that are causing us to go from zero to catastrophe in 60 seconds or less. Those particular problems in our life or relationships or just the general state of life and the fact that we are often given to anxiety and stress and worry. So we bring those situations to you, Lord, and we ask you to teach us how to respond to them, to have the confidence that you are standing beside us, guiding us step by step, And that because of your presence and your grace, there is nothing that we cannot work through and conquer so that we can glorify you even in our weakness. We bring all this to you and we ask all of this in the name of the Father, and the the Son, Son, and the the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pope St. John Paul the Great. Pray for us. Today on More to Life, the show is titled, What If... We're talking about the tendency to do those what-ifs. What if this bad thing happens? What if this doesn't turn out well? What if this horrible thing occurs? We all do it. It's called catastrophizing, and it's the best way to get to anxiety, if that's what your goal is. So we want to help you to uh, overcome that tendency to catastrophize and give in to that tendency to let your mind race with stress, worry, and anxiety. 877-573-7825. Let's talk now with Gregory, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Gregory in Texas, what a noble name you have, sir. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I just wanted to ask you uh, about the, the folks who have a propensity to fight paper tigers at night and and getting no sleep uh-huh. and is that something you're struggling with Gregory no I uh, I just simply turn it off in, in Jesus name oh God bless you so what makes you ask the question though uh, I have relatives who who have not come to that realization and I tell them and they simply uh, they, some of them may have underlying mental issues during the day, and they don't bring it to God and, because he can carry it. Uh, I can't. He can stand the weight, but not me. And I tell them this, and they still fight the paper tigers and stay up all night and have free-floating anxiety and... Mm-hmm. and uh, their their mind won't turn so we've got, we've got sort night. of two questions here so the, the first one is you know specifically you know about dealing with anxiety that might keep us up at night uh, the second question though that I'm going to start with is how can you be supportive to people that you care about who are dealing with you know anxiety in general 
And I think um, our natural tendency, and it's well-intentioned, uh, but ultimately ineffective, is to be kind of a cheerleader um, or, or to be an advisor to just sort of say, well, why don't you just, you know, fill in the blank? Um, and those things often work for us, you know, so we're drawing from our experience and we're saying, well, this works for me. Why don't you just do X? Um, and that kind of advice giving can, you know, be helpful sometimes. Often it's not, though. Uh, because uh, advice tends to be drawn from our own experience, but it tends not to fit very well into other people's, right? And so that's, uh, that's, that's the first challenge. Um, if you really want to help somebody who's dealing with anxiety, the best thing to do, first of all, is, is to lead with empathy and say, well, tell me more about what's going on. Now, initially, we're afraid that we're going to, by getting them to talk about it, that that's going to fan the anxiety because maybe they get a little bit more worked up when they first start talking about it and we feel like we've done something wrong. But the reality is help, letting them know that we, can, that, that we are a safe person to share that stuff with is really helpful to people to be able to just express it and get it off their chest. Now, that doesn't mean we have to stay there forever. You kind of get to the point where you see that, okay, now the person's starting to repeat themselves a little bit, or they're, they're going off on a little bit of a tangent. And at that point, you say, well, listen, I, I, I get how stressful that is. I'm really sorry that you're going through that. But just take a breath for a second and ask, and, and let me ask you, you know, what is one small thing you think you could do to try to make that a little bit better, or, or even to make yourself feel a little bit better while you're going through it? And by, by asking them that solution-focused question, you're getting them out of that reactive space, and you're getting them to think, what can I do to make this situation a little bit better, right? Because uh, otherwise, if you start making suggestions, they, just ha they go to a place where, well, let me explain to Gregory why that won't work. And, le and, and, and he doesn't understand because this and that and the other. But if you're able to say, you know what, I really get it. That's a really stressful thing you're going through, and I'm so sorry you feel that way. Tell me a little bit, what, what might be one small thing you could do either to try to break this down or at least make yourself feel a little better while you're going through it? What are things that have helped you in the past? That's another great, great question. When you've gone through stuff like this before, what has helped you? And could you do that now? That's, those are really the best ways to be supportive to someone in your life who has anxiety. Don't lecture them. Don't cheerlead them. Don't tell them why they shouldn't feel that way. Don't don't give advice of, well, if you just did this, because that just makes them feel stupid uh, or like you don't care or don't get it. But, walk, but empathizing with them and then giving them those questions to reflect on it themselves puts them in a different headspace. In, in terms of the specific question about um, uh, you know, dealing with anxiety at night, research actually tends to show that people are able to process their anxiety more effectively and sleep better if they take even just a few minutes to write out some of their concerns about the next day and write out their plans for handling those concerns. So even if you take a half a page and you just say, okay, this is what's going on tomorrow. Uh, here's my plan for addressing it. Here's sort of a basic sketch of the schedule. The research tends to show that even if you don't follow the schedule or don't follow your plan, it doesn't matter. You've still got your head around it and you sleep better. And that's the most important thing. So that's the, the specific response to that question about, you know, the late nighttime anxiety, writing out your concerns about the next day and identifying a plan. But in general, the best way to be supportive to someone is not to give advice, not to cheerlead them, and certainly not to tell them that they shouldn't feel that way, but, but rather to lead with empathy and then ask them solution-focused questions that help them identify little things they can do to either improve the situation or make themselves feel better in the middle of it. With that, Gregory, i got to go to break, but when we uh, come back, we are continuing to take your calls. And again, we're drawing most of the advice from today's program from my book, Unworried, A Life Without Anxiety. If you'd like to go deeper, you can check that out at catholiccounselors.com. But give us a call right here at 877-573-7825, and we'll talk you through 
the things that cause you to go from zero to catastrophe in 60 seconds or less. More to Life will continue with your questions coming up right after the break. The most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. What have you always wanted to know about the Vatican? Well, I'm your Vatican Insider, and I answer that question when I bring you the news about the Pope, Vatican City, and I share insights and stories from a broad spectrum of church ministries. Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis, Saturday night, 9 Eastern, on EWTN Radio. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling. 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. I'll tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to setonhome.org. That is setonhome.org. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popcheck. And I'm Lisa Popcheck. And you're listening to the best of More to Life. Welcome back to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popcheck. I'm Dr. Greg Popcheck. And we are talking with you today about anxiety in our show titled What If? And we are asking you to call up with your experiences of anxiety at 877-573-7825. Joining us right now, though, Bill Donahue from the Theology of the Body Institute is here today to talk to us about what TOB can teach us about responding to anxiety. Hey, Bill, welcome to More to Life. Good morning, my friends. Good to be with you. Well, good to have you with us. So, you know, we're talking about our tendency, all of us, to catastrophize, to kind of go from zero to catastrophe in 60 seconds or less when things happen. But... You know, the theology of the body, I think, gives us some insights on, on how Christ responded to pain and confusion and gives us a model for how we can do the same. Talk to us a little bit about that, please. Yeah, I mean, this is quite a word, catastrophe, but as Catholics, we are very familiar with it, right? I mean, we, we look at our crucifix every morning, perhaps we're wearing it, perhaps we go to daily Mass and experience Calvary all over again. Uh, in a mystical way on the on the altar. So catastrophe is nothing new to us. I, John Paul has some very mystical, powerful insights onto this, and I think, are we ready to go there, ready to go deep? This is a line from John Paul's Familiaris Consortio, and it's it's really kind of been a, a, a word, a prophetic word, I think, for Rebecca and I in our parenting and our marriage. But he said, spouses are the permanent reminder to the church of what happened on the cross. 
that's a that's a deep thought right there. And I think what the Holy Father is saying is, you know, what happened to Jesus happens to us if we're really one with Him, and that's our call. That's the trajectory of every human life, right? To become like Christ and become one with Him. It's it's the crown, but it's also the cross. So catastrophe should be the shocker. It, it's literally the it's the doorway through, and we have to be like Christ. What did He look like? What did He? How did He respond to it? He met it with trust in the Father. We ponder the mysteries of the Rosary, you know, the, the agony in the garden. And so this is a deep, deep call. It's a mystical one, but it's an invitation so, to be in Him. I do want to ask one, one question because I want to clarify something. Because when, when when people hear quotes like that, I, I think the natural tendency is to feel like, uh, you know, the Church is saying, "Well, you know, our job as Christians is to be miserable all the time." And I don't uh, think that's really the point of, of what you're trying to say. But but no, what is the like? What no. are you getting at with it? Yeah. Well, what happened on the cross? We could go dark and say, "Well, you know." the death of God, absolute pain and suffering. But Augustine said that the cross is the marriage bed. This is the place where God gave his total self-gift. He gave all. He laid down his life. The cross is literally, it's the icon of love for the whole universe to see. So this means that whatever the catastrophe, whatever the struggle, whatever the suffering, it's a call to unleash love, right? It's the call to, to become love, to respond in love. So it, and it's not the end. We all know that the cross leads to the cross. Well, and I was going to say, the, the point of the cross is yes. not the cross. The point of the cross is the resurrection. And, and, the, and the point of the, exactly. the, the suffering is, is, is learning to respond to that suffering in love that allows us to rise above that and, and ideally conquer it you know, through God's grace. But, but, but again, it's, the focus isn't on being miserable. The focus is on how do we respond to that thing in a way that allows us to lean into God's grace and his love and his promise of deliverance. And I've seen that in my own life, and I know you have and your listeners as well, that when the suffering comes, uh, no matter how small, no matter how big, there's something in it that becomes a key. It becomes a purifying fire. It becomes a way that kind of declutters me of my own self-reliance, self-obsession, my plans that maybe obscure God's plan sometimes. And so if if we meet the thing with trusting God, it ends up purifying us in a really holy way. It makes us, in the end more like him, more happy, more joyful, more resilient, in fact, too, when the next wave hits us, we can say, okay, I've been there before, and I know this isn't the end. You know, it's, it's Ignatius, right? In desolation, remember consolation. This is not the end. Amen. Bill, That's thank summary. you so much for being with us. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And if folks would like to learn more about the good work you guys do, they can go to tobinstitute.com, tobinstitute.com. And with that, we are checking your calls at 877-573-7825 about dealing with stress, worry, and anxiety on our show titled, What If?, where we talk about the tendency we all have to catastrophize. Give us a call, 877-573-7825. More to Life will continue with your questions coming up right after the break. Can a stressed brain lead to weight gain? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. When things go too right or too wrong in my life, I go for cookies or ice cream. How about you? 
A study in the journal Neuron indicates that chronic stress can make the brain crave sweet, comfort foods. Apparently, stress can override some of our brain's natural responses to eating. This leads to our eating comfort foods, which leads to a vicious circle of the brain needing to be continuously rewarded to eat a higher calorie diet. This leads to more food intake with preferences for sweet foods. For this, you get weight gain and even obesity. The vicious circle continues. Avoiding a stress-filled life is important for so many health reasons. Eating healthy is critical every day, but we all get stressed. When that happens, double down on healthy eating and ditch the junk food. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Father Benedict Groeschel. I want to welcome you, if you're not familiar, with the wonderful world of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What will America become if it makes it impossible for the Holy Spirit to work here because of untruth and self-indulgence and paganism? This is not just a nice discussion of the gifts of the Holy Spirit because I'm going to discuss what happens when people make it impossible to be prudent, just, or honest, or brave, or courageous, or reverent. When people make that impossible, what a terrible thing they do not only to themselves, but to our society. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. And you're listening to the best of More to Life. Hi, this is Dr. Greg Popchak. Pope Francis has said that there are too many children who are orphans within the family, that parents, especially fathers, need to take more time with their children. In today's culture, families can be little more than collections of individuals living under the same roof and sharing a data plan. Marriage and family don't just happen because you occupy the same space, and it has to be more than just what happens in the five minutes between all the other activities that keep us busy. Husbands and wives, parents and children need to make a specific, concerted effort to create what I call rituals of connection. These are regularly scheduled times to work, play, talk, and pray together. Pope Francis is asking Catholic families to examine what it really means to be a family and put in the work necessary to achieve that. For more information on Catholic family life, visit moretoliferadio.com. Thank you for joining us today on More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, and we are talking with you today about stress, worry, and anxiety on our show titled, What If? We all have that tendency to run what ifs through our head. What if today doesn't go well? What if that bad thing happens? What if things don't turn out the way I thought they would? What if they get worse? Okay, we get it. Fine, <laughs> making everybody cringe real hard right now. Well, it's called catastrophizing. And uh, catastrophizing is one of those cognitive distortions, those, if you will, desolations that the enemy whispers in our spiritual ear that causes us to take a bad situation and make it infinitely worse, or even take regular situations and make them bad. If you want to get over that tendency to experience that sort of anxiety that comes from catastrophizing or support someone you care about who's in that place, 
Let's talk it out. 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877-573-7825. We're talking now with Sharon, who's listening to EWTN Radio in North Carolina. Hello, Sharon. Welcome to More to Life. What's going on? Hey, good morning, you guys, and thanks for your program. I just happened to uh, turn you on this morning while I'm working, and it's ironic. Um, I started to type an email out, and then uh, for work purposes, for a situation came up, and I probably created the email and then deleted it about three times, thinking, I'm overthinking this. I'm overthinking, overthinking. And what, overthinking what, the email or overthinking the problem yeah, that made you write the email the in the first situ- place? The situation. The situation, and then I was going to respond, and then I started getting anxiety. And so mm-hmm. I guess my question, not question, I wanted your take on how overthinking from a calm state of mind mm. escalates within minutes. And to this, like, anxiousness, like... Yeah, well, I mean, the short version is it does. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely overthinking is a a huge problem, but I think you already know that. So, like, I guess the question is how how can we help you get past that overthinking today? Like, what what do you think you'd need to do differently to be able to let go of that? Well, it's more of a... I think I was placed in a position where... And it's a work work scenario where it's almost like I was a doormat and I wanted to defend myself. And then I thought, well, I don't think I want to rock the boat. I'll choose my battle. Okay. And then I started thinking about it again and I started typing an email. I'm like, no, let's not do that. And then I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I shouldn't take that. And this, so I wonder if the devil is just toying with yeah. chaos or if I should really just, yeah. So that's, Okay. All right. Good. So, so here's a here's a here's a way to think about it. So, so we talk about um, in, in in the book Unworried, especially we talk a lot about the idea of cognitive distortions. We talk about what Saint Ignatius of Loyola called consolations and desolations. Um, consolations in in Loyola's model is uh, any thought or any movement of the spirit. He called it any feeling, kind of impulse, any any thought that goes through our mind that, that pushes us toward being the more the person that God wants us to be, handling things in godly ways, um, you know, draws us closer to God. Those, are, those would be promptings from the Holy Spirit. Uh, and those are good things. We should go with those impulses, right? But a desolation would be a uh, sort of a, a prompting from the enemy. Uh, it's an impulse, a thought, a feeling uh, that, that moves, that, that either makes us harder for us to be the person God wants us to be, harder to draw closer to God, uh, or harder to do or know what God wants us to do in the moment. Um, we often think, like like what you're doing right now, you know, is uh, something happens and it feels offensive to us, and we think that we only have two options. We either address the offense or we don't address the offense. There is a third option here, and that is address the offense but in a way that's actually productive, right? And and what you're doing is personalizing. You're, 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 you're saying you, know, you, you felt like you were treated as a doormat. Maybe you were. But here's the thing, if, if, but not taking it personally means we're gonna, I'm not going to focus on my feelings and um, telling everybody else how I feel about it and that they need to apologize for it or I'm not going to defend myself in it. I'm going to focus on the problem and suggesting better solutions for the future. So I'm going to so actually encourage you to write the email, but here's what I want you to do. I, don't want you, I want you to take yourself out of it. I want you to not make it personal. And I want you to say, hey, listen. 
you know, it, it occurs to me that this situation didn't go well and none of us are happy with the way it went forward, went, went, the way it came out. I would like to suggest that the next time something like this comes up, we all handle it this way. What do you all think? Right. I mean, obviously, you'll change the language, but, if you, yeah. but you get my Bit point. More professional. Right. So it's not, you know, I was really upset with the way you talk, you talked to me or the way this fell out. And I don't really appreciate you being treating me like a doormat because there's or no way that's going to work. it's not you bending over backwards and apologizing. In right. fact, the rule of thumb in business is don't apologize in emails because it doesn't do any good. And it actually sets you up to be more of a doormat. It's really just saying, all right, we we all feel that something in this isn't in right order, isn't right for us. What can we do differently next time? You offer a suggestion, but ask for everybody's input on what they need for this to go better next time. That way you're bringing everybody into the the healing of the situation and you're coming up with a plan. And honestly, coming up with any kind of a plan sort of reduces anxiety immediately because it puts us back in a place of being able to do, not just do. Where the overthinking is coming from is, you know, where you recognize on some level that talking about your feelings and making it about you and personalizing it isn't going to get anybody anywhere. You know, it's just going to make them defensive. It's going to make them come back at you even more. And you don't want the drama, understandably. And that's where the overthinking is coming from, because you've kind of bought into this idea in your head that you, you can either address it or not address it. What we're proposing is address it, but not as an offense. Address it as a problem to be solved. And just be able to say, you know, we, I understand that none of us are happy with the way this went down. The next time something like this comes up, I would suggest handling it this way. What do you all think? And then, and you're focusing in on the actual solutions to the problem instead of making it about any one person. And Sharon, I want to underline Greg's words there when he says, I understand that none of us were happy the way this went down or how this is playing out. That way you let them know you're not pleased either. You are part of the we in this. It's not, I understand that nobody's happy or you're not happy. With me. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, which is implied. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The with me is implied. It's that we are not happy. Make yourself a part of that collective that's saying, this isn't good. We're going to come up with a plan to make it good. That automatically makes you a leader. That automatically makes you on par with them. And it automatically gives you a plan that allows you to feel more effective. And this this, this suggestion uh, enables you to avoid the kind of twin pitfalls, one of personalizing, which is a different kind of cognitive distortion, which makes it all about us and you know causes things to fall apart, or the, the, that desolation of kind of responding out of hurt and pain. Uh, being able to respond the way we're talking about allows you to be solution-focused, deal with it in a way that allows you to be the person God wants you to be, and, and address the actual injustice that's going on here in a way that would actually be productive. So uh, we talk more about how to get through that in Unworried. We walk you step-by-step step through the process. But, um, you know, this will get you at least started on this. But you're absolutely right. You know, the overthinking kills us every time. The, the, the key to, over, to getting past the overthinking, though, in general, is really just recognizing or stepping back and asking, are these thoughts that are going through my head helpful? Are they actually going to solve the problem? If not, it's not, well, then don't do anything. It's how could I think about this that would enable me to take a step towards solving the problem? And if you can think in that direction, that's going to help correct that tendency to overthink and get out of that more emotional space that you were in. All right, Sharon, thank you so much for the call. I hope that those suggestions will get you started. And as I said, we have more ideas for this in Unworried, A Life Without Anxiety, that you can pick that up at catholiccounselors.com. 
Let's talk now with Erin, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Indiana on Sirius XM 130. Erin, are you still there? Oh, I think we just lost her. Oh, just God. quickly, she was asking if, if the book Unworried was appropriate for kids. Uh, she has an 11-year-old daughter. Her 11-year-old daughter, or whether she should read it first. Herself. My suggestion would be to uh, actually uh, read it as a parent. Uh, and you can adapt those uh, suggestions to then y- your daughter and, and kind of walk her through it. It's not really written for kids. We're actually looking at doing a book on anxiety specifically for kids, but that'll be down the road. Uh, right now, though, all the techniques, actually kids kids really do well from the techniques in the book. I just they wouldn't really give them the do. book and say, here, work through it on your own. And Erin, that's, that's what I'm going to say for any situation where we're dealing with our kids. The best thing we can do for our children is to get the information, the knowledge we need, figure out how to incorporate that into our own lives first, not just how are we going to stick this on our kid like a tail on a pin the tail on the donkey, and really say, how can I start using the things that I've learned in this resource to change the dynamic in our family, the, 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 you know, the vibe in our house, if you will, and then be able to go to our children as they come to us with their worries, with their concerns, and say, you know what, I've really been looking at this for myself and for the whole family, and I learned X, Y, or Z. Or even be able to say, I'm not sure I can really describe X, Y, or Z very well. Would you mind if I read you this little paragraph or this section of this book, and we can talk about how you could use this in your life. So you become the teacher and they become the disciple. And when our children feel like they can safely be discipled by us, because even if we don't have all the answers in the world, we're willing to go and try to find any answer to help them, their level of anxiety comes down, their trust in us grows, and the relationship between us and them gets stronger. So go ahead, grab the book Unworried. Start reading that. Let her know. I'm really looking into this because I don't have all the answers, but I want them for you. I want them for our our family. And we're going to work through some of this together. Even letting her know that's going to start bringing down some of her anxiety and open her up to talking to you a little bit more about what it is that's getting to her. So it really will be a blessing just from the beginning of saying you're doing this. And then as you go through it, discuss those techniques, help her work through them, maybe work through them with her so you both take it on together. So if there's a technique, you say, well, this is how I'm applying it in my life today. How are you applying it in your life today? Let's check back together tonight before we pray in the evening and talk about how it's working for us. Then you really end up bringing down everybody's anxiety level because you're working a plan together and your child learns to grow in trust of you and in trust of the God who gave you the idea in the first place. Aaron, thanks for the question. I know there are lots of parents who had the same question, and I hope that these suggestions will will help those parents who are dealing with kids who are struggling with anxiety. And I do believe that the tips and suggestions, actually, I know the tips and suggestions will work for kids. It's just they really need to be guided through by their their mom or dad. 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877-573-7825. And I apologize. One last thing. If, If for parents out there, if you find that it's not working as you're going through it with your kid, that really is time to bring in a professional, though. I agree. You know, uh, don't yeah. don't because there are a lot of lot of lot of parents. You know, they they don't want to bring their kid to a counselor. The kid the kid doesn't want to go. Understandable, but you know, if you're if this is a great thing because it, at at 11, you know, their brains are still growing, and if you teach them those skills now, they'll have them for the rest of their life. If you wait 
and let it grow and grow and grow, then then you have to dig yourself out of a hole. So this is the best time to either teach them the skills yourself or if you can't, get them the help that they need. Well, and let's talk about that for just a split second here. The help that they need requires you to be part of it. Yes. So don't send anybody under the age of, I'd even say, say 21. 18, yeah, <laughs> least, really, yeah. because you know some kids really need that, that parental support all the way through to, to real adulthood. And so be part of that. Say I, you know, to the counselor, if you decide that that route is needed, we want to be part of family therapy so we can change the systems in our family, hold things accountable, support our child, learn these skills together. Don't ever send a child into counseling by themselves. It doesn't stick. They don't have the cognitive ability to deal with it or the support at home that they need without it. All right, with that, we have to go to break, but it's time for our scripture of the day, which comes to us from Psalm 56, verse 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And, and again, I, I want to look at this scripture. Okay, so when, when we say I need to trust the Lord, and I feel, you know, and if I, and if I feel anxiety after I do that, I, I've given it to God, but still I feel anxious about it. What's wrong with me? Well, nothing. <laughs> you know, putting your trust in the Lord does not mean that you're going to be blissed out all the time, that you're not going to be concerned about things that are concerning or frustrated with things that are frustrating. It means that you recognize that there is a problem that you're frustrated with. But instead of saying, ah, problem, 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 you say, okay, problem. <laughs> I'm going to bring this problem to God. Lord, I know you're standing right here next to me, even though I'm nervous about this. Please help me know how to respond to this problem in a way that will glorify you and bring about your will, that will let me be my best self through the whole process until this is resolved. I I trust you to teach me how to deal with this. That's what trusting the Lord means. It doesn't mean I'm trusting you to just take it all away and be my fairy godmother and, and just let it all work. You know, sometimes it works out that way. Often it doesn't. And that doesn't mean you're not trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord means saying, I trust that you are going to walk me through this and teach me how to respond in a way that will glorify you and allow me to experience your grace and love and growth through this whole time. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, Psalm 56, verse 3. With that, we got to go to break. When we come back, we're continuing to take your calls about dealing with stress, worry, and anxiety on our show titled, What If?, as we talk about that tendency to catastrophize and go from zero to crisis in under 60 seconds. Stick around. More to Life will be back right after this. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. As a Catholic mom, I know that parenting can be hard, frustrating, and lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Lisa Popcheck from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting Catholic parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert help with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to personalized expert support, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along and love the Lord. 
downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, and a supportive community and tons of other benefits, like my MomFidence podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. This Ave Maria program is brought to you in part by the nonprofit CMF Curo. Your search for affordable health care stops here. Since 2014, CMF Curo has provided Catholics with affordable health care sharing that goes beyond insurance. With programs that cost less than many COBRA and ACA-sponsored plans, CMF Curo is a Catholic health sharing experience that enables you to live fully alive while saving money. Call 1-833-GET-CURO to find affordable Catholic health care now. That's 1-833-GET-CURO. Want more tips for living a more joyful, abundant life through the gift of the theology of the body? Well, and follow us on Facebook at More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa, and on Twitter and Instagram at Catholic Counselors. We'll see you there. So glad to be with you today on More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, and we are taking your calls about anxiety today on our show titled, What If?, as we talk about that tendency to catastrophize, to go from zero to crisis in under 60 seconds. If you recognize yourself or someone you care about in that description, let us help you reclaim your calm. 877-573-7825. Let's talk now with David, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Colorado. Hi, David. Welcome to More to Life. What's going on? Yeah, so I don't know if you recognize me, but I've called a couple of times. Um, I don't, but what's your question? We can hear you. What's up today? Yes, so my question is related to just um, negative thinking and uh, self-sabotage, I would say, and just so give me a concrete uh, example of what you're talking about. You said something about work to our screener? Yes, yeah, so at at work especially. Like I'm starting a new job and, uh, you know, learning a lot. The, the first week I, I work in accounting and uh, I, know my, I know my accounting stuff and just mm-hmm. second-guessing so you- myself and, and, uh, and just... Um, thinking that that um, what other people are thinking when I turn something in or when I do something uh, for somebody mm-hmm. thinking ah they're gonna think that I'm dumb ah okay. they're gonna think this and that about me so and, I want uh, you to I want to go back to something I was sharing with a previous caller about desolations and consolations and cognitive distortions so the, it, we all have these sorts of thoughts that go through our head. What you're describing is not uncommon. I mean, you know, and again, for some people, it's it's not just a thought. Sometimes it's a habit or even a way of life. And and, and I get I get what you're describing. the 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 habit that we need to get into in, in checking our thoughts. You know, Second Corinthians, uh, uh, one thirteen says that we have to test every thought in obedience to Christ. Right. And how do we do that? Well, we got to step back and sort of ask ourselves: This thought that's going through my head, is this thought helpful, or is it hurtful? If it's a helpful thought, then there's a good chance that it's a, there's a prompting of the Holy Spirit giving me some wisdom on how to respond to a particular challenge and guiding me through the next steps so I can be more, a more effective servant of God in the situation. You know, so if the thought goes through my head, hey, maybe you should read that over before you hand it in again, 
that's a helpful thought because I might be able to catch some mistakes and, and, and address the issue. On the other hand, if I hand it in and I say, oh, gosh, they're going to think I'm stupid. I didn't do a good job. Is that a helpful thought? Well, no, it's a hurtful thought. So chances are that thought is being whispered in my spiritual ear by the enemy who is trying to undermine my confidence and making me you know, feel and act like an idiot so that I, I do stupid things and, and lose my job, right? He, he wants me, I'm, I'm being dramatic, but you see my point. It's like the, these unhelpful thoughts that the enemy will whisper in our spiritual ear cause us to make silly mistakes or act in ways that push people away from us or undermine our ability to perform effectively. That is what the enemy wants from us. So the question in any situation we have to ask is, okay, number one, what is the thought going through my head? Number two, is that thought helpful? In which case it is probably a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, it's important to pray about that, but, but it's probably a prompting of the Holy Spirit suggesting ways that I could address this issue in, in a productive way and do better in the future? Uh, or is this hurtful in that it's undermining my ability to be that effective servant of God and use my gifts and talents in a way that are that can be a blessing to others? That's sort of the short version. We, we talk through all the steps of this process at much greater length um, in Unworried, A Life Without Anxiety. But that's the habit I want you to get into, David. Um, really asking, what is the thought? And is the thought helpful or hurtful? Um, and, and, and when I say helpful, the, the, the thing that some people will get into is, like, well, I mean, it, it, it could be helpful because if I know that they hate me, um, you know, if I know that they think they're an idiot, then maybe I could change. You know what I'm talking Unless it's pointing to some concrete thing you can do right now to improve the situation or improve your performance, it is not helpful. It's, attempt, it's, it's, it's an attempt to gain control over something that you don't have control over. Uh, and that's what the enemy wants us to do. He yeah, wants that's us to the be, desolation right there. You know, Satan wants us to be worried about things that we have no control over so that we burn up all our energy and don't have energy for the things that we can control. Uh, and so unless a thought is pushing you toward doing something concrete that will obviously uh, and almost immediately make the situation better in some way, it is not a helpful thought and you can reject that as a desolation or a cognitive distortion that is coming to you from the enemy trying to undermine your success now again that's the process um and it's it's not always that easy just to do it on your own so the the book will walk you through the steps but for someone like yourself who has said you've called in several times you've struggled with a history with anxiety it might be beneficial for you to also seek that professional help to be able to walk through that process with somebody one of the things I, i point out to people Folks tend to think of therapy as um, as a class. You know, they, they I'm going to go learn, you know, some techniques for dealing with anxiety, and now I learned those things, and so I have to go do them. It's not really a class. It's it's physical therapy for your brain. You know, if you go to your physical therapist, they don't just give you a worksheet and say, here, do these exercises at home. They they give you the worksheet, but then they say, okay, so for the next six weeks, we're I'm going to show you how to position your leg. I'm going to lift it up and down. I'm going to show you how to do the exercises. I'm going to help you be accountable for doing them the right way. Walk you through this process, and in doing that, you you change the way your body works. You you build up muscle. You you know, you you decrease pain. You do physical things in your body. Well, those exercises and therapy are doing the same thing for your brain. It's not just that you learn certain concepts and you have to go out and do them. You need somebody to walk you through the steps because you're actually rewiring the way your brain processes stress and thinks about problems. Uh, and you can actually see that change uh, on a functional uh, PET scan or functional MRI, uh, you know, post therapy. So you're making brain changes by doing that work. So. 
Um, if, if you find that you're not able to follow through with this on your own, David, then I really encourage you to seek some good professional cognitive behavior therapy that will help you make those changes in your brain to calm down those anxiety-producing centers and help you to process stress more effectively and problem-solve more efficiently. With that, we've got to head out of here, but thank you so much for your calls. If there's more we can do to support you in your battle against anxiety, don't hesitate to reach out to us at catholiccounselors.com, where you can check out the resources mentioned on today's program, especially my book, Unworried, A Life Without Anxiety. And you can also learn more about the Pastoral Solutions Institute's telephone counseling practice, where you can work with a faithful, professional Catholic counselor to transform your marriage, family, or personal life. That's catholiccounselors.com. Get out there and celebrate the life God has for you. You've been listening to More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchek. More to Life is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Dan McGraw. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net.